Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. I'm Joe Cotter here with my friend, Dr. Susanna Greer. Hello, Joe. You want to talk about impactful and, and relevant to patients and you know, potentially transformative to cancer care. This conversation with a couple of clinicians at Penn Medicine was just fascinating. You oh my gosh, yes, absolutely blew me away. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this podcast. No doubt. So you spoke with two people, Dr. Justin Beckelman. He's actually a former American Cancer Society grantee. He's professor of radiation oncology and medical ethics and health policy and director of the Penn Center for Cancer Care Innovation. You also spoke with Catherine Major. She's a registered nurse and a director of Penn Medicine at Home. She oversees the Penn Home Palliative Care and Penn Home Infusion Therapy Programs. Okay, so Penn Medicine has been providing infusion therapy at home for around two decades. But last year, in November, just a few months before the pandemic really started to complicate healthcare in America, they launched Cancer Care at Home, uh, really expanding what they're offering to cancer patients at home. And so in this conversation, Susanna, they talked about the promise of the program, some of the hurdles, and really, really exciting stuff. Yeah, this blew me away. I was so excited for this conversation because just as I shared with Justin and Catherine, when I think about when I don't feel well or my child doesn't feel well, where you want to be is at home. And thinking about caring for a cancer patient at home with the challenging drug regimens, the side effects, all the touch points with different types of clinical care, that to me seems like a significant hurdle to overcome. And they have done it. It is absolutely fascinating. And one of the things that Justin shares with us early on is that their goal is not to transfer all cancer care to the home environment, but for the 1.8 million Americans that are diagnosed with cancer, that they don't all need to go through the rigmarole and the challenges and the strain and the stress of traveling for every office visit and sitting in traffic and paying to park and all of the struggles of being in that sterile hospital environment that we, or that clinical office that we all picture when we think about cancer care. So this is a fascinating conversation where Justin and Catherine take us through how cancer care can be delivered safely and effectively and, quite frankly, less expensively from home, the impact on patients, the impact on caregivers, some of the roadblocks and challenges. They share some really great stories um, from the patient and clinical side. And I think that you and our listeners are going to just come away thinking about calling your caregivers and saying, how can we implement this in our system? Because I too want to explore, could I be home with my loved ones on my couch and and have my cancer care delivered in a space where I am safe and healthy and happy? So um, listen in, you're, you're gonna love this. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Justin. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. I'm oh, I am beyond excited to talk to the two of you. This 
this topic is absolutely fascinating to me. We are going to talk about cancer care at home, which I just, I just can't wait because I, I feel like when I, when I don't feel well, home is exactly where I would like to be with all of my snuggly things and my people and my pets. But that doesn't seem to me some place that I associate with cancer care. When I think about cancer care, I think about all of the touch points with different healthcare practitioners and places and some scary side effects and treatments. And it's hard for me to reconcile all of the wonderfulness of being at home with the challenges of cancer care. So I am delighted to hear from the two of you who are just really wonderful to share your expertise with us because truly you are leading experts in this space. So if you're ready, we're going to dive in. Okay. Sounds like fun. All right. So, so Justin, I'd love to start with you for this first question. I think many of our audience members have heard or potentially during the pandemic experienced telemedicine where we have an opportunity to not go in to see either a primary care giver or even our oncologist, but we can visit that person through our computers wherever we are. And that's really changing the way care is being delivered. And that is streaming into the way that cancer care is delivered, where we are experiencing, I think, what we could call a revolution in cancer care delivery, where it can now be delivered safely and effectively and certainly less expensively from home. So this is a place that is brand new to me and to many of our listeners. So can you tell us about this? Tell us about this theory of delivering cancer care at home. Sure. Each, each year, about 1.8 million Americans are diagnosed with cancer. And we recognize that most cancer treatment happens in the clinic or in the hospital. Patients have to travel in, wait, even for a quick injection. And that's sort of just how it's been in cancer care across the country for decades. And so we asked, why? We believe there's a better place to treat cancer. And as you say, Susanna, just as telemedicine is changing how primary care is delivered, much of life-extending cancer treatment can be given safely and effectively at home. So we launched the Cancer Care at Home program in the November in November of 2019, almost a year ago, because we knew we could do better. All right, Catherine, would you like to tell us either a little bit more about the Cancer Care program? now, or we can dive more into your motivation behind it. Is there anything you'd like to add to to what Justin shared? Sure. When I think about patient care, I too had that traditional notion of patients being in a bed in a sterile setting in a hospital or a clinic or an infusion suite. Um, But once I started working on the home health side here at Penn Medicine, I was able to see that you know, our patients are, um, are, are very complex. They have a lot of aspects that contribute to their health and overall well-being. And so the more that we could have patients that are able to 
take their care at home surrounded by their loved ones um, in, in places where they're comfortable and warm, that that contributes to their their safety and their their happiness and their quality of life almost as much as the treatments that we provide. So for us to be partnered here um, for this Cancer Care at Home program was really um, something that, that came from my heart. And I'm really happy to be part of Penn Medicine where, where we're able to, to take these steps. Oh, I love that. And I think a lot of what you said is gonna resonate with our listeners and just makes sense, especially the part which made sense to me when I was reading about what you do around patients' level of happiness and quality of life. And then I love what you shared that you're really happy as a practitioner to participate because you can see how these things resonate with patients. So I'd like to springboard off of one thing you said, which is that their safety can also be impacted. So Help us to understand, I think, a few things which maybe aren't quite as easy for those of us who haven't either participated in this or been aware of cancer care at home. What Maybe let's start with what kinds of treatments would even be feasible in this setting. At Penn Home Infusion Therapy, we've been administering um, different types of cancer treatments at home for for a long time. We've been in business for over two decades, providing patient care in the home. Um, and you know, there's things like hydration, anti-nausea medications, 5-FU. But we were really interested in expanding these services to include a broader swath of patients um, and to help our community even more. So one of the first things that comes to mind is how can we do this? How can we do this safely? How can we make sure that patients, families, and clinicians are comfortable with this process and feel and are assured um, that every step has been taken in order to keep everyone safe who is involved and to be able to provide these treatments in a safe manner? Um, So the first things we do um, is take a look and make sure that is this drug stable? Is it something that is safe to be delivered to the home? Does it, is it going to maintain its integrity through that transportation from the pharmacy, which is located in the suburbs of Philadelphia, to a patient's home? Before we decide that a medication is safe to be administered at home, we have a detailed reaction protocol, and that is reviewed with our pharmacists and nurses. Um, That's not just for these cancer care at home medications, but for any medications that we administer in the home. We make sure that we have a reaction protocol just in case something does go wrong. Um, We have everything in place in order to, um, to make sure that our patients stay safe. Once we establish that the drug is safe to be able to be delivered to the home, um, we make sure that um, that the patients and the families know how to store that medication, um, how to keep it in places where their pets might not be able to get into it. Um, we also make sure that patients and families are aware that we will take that waste. They might have some concerns about having chemotherapy waste in their home. We provide them with the proper storage containers um, for when they're finished, um, finished their treatments. So that way um, there isn't any kind of leakage or spills. We have a 
24-hour phone line uh, where people can call in and nurses that are able to go out in case something goes wrong. Let's say there is a chemo leak or something like that. We are able to assist and go to that patient's home at any time in order to in order to help that patient and make sure that they and their families stay safe. So we decided to expand to two additional treatments. Lupron, which is a very simple injection um, for breast or prostate cancer. And then we also decided to include EPOC, which is a very complex medication um, that is administered over several days in the hospital. So what we determined is that both of these differing complexity medications are able to be safely delivered in the home. Um, one of the things that we did uh, once COVID-19 hit was that we needed to scale up pretty quickly to treat patients in the home so that way they remain safe from from this um, from the pandemic. Um, and so we leveraged this learning from Lupon and EPOC um, to inform rapid testing of new treatments that would be able to be um, administered at home for patients, patients who require this treatment. You know, it's so interesting to me that, and, and we've talked to other individuals throughout the podcast where their work has been impacted by the pandemic where there is a silver lining and this is an interesting one that you've brought up that you were forced to scale up probably more rapidly than you would have but one of the silver linings seems to be that because of that scale up due to covid you're moving into not only additional treatments but more complex treatments where you are determining that wow, we we are really able to facilitate home care of more complex, probably patients and more complex drug regimens. Um, I think that's that's really amazing. So hats off to you and your colleagues for being willing and, and patients for being brave enough to take those steps. All right. So now I have all kinds of new questions. <laughs> so, Justin, I want to pivot to you because... Catherine's really laid out for us this fascinating infrastructure where you were prepared and ready to go and you scaled up. And when you had challenges arise, like infusion suites closed, you were ready to go and help your patients. But I think one of the challenges you must have faced was understanding that while you were ready to go, who were you going to go to? So how did you sort out the criteria of who could be treated at home and who still need to be treated in a clinical setting? Well, I think that's right. I think that, you know, COVID-19 COVID and the pandemic added, you know, what really is like a, like a heartbreaking urgency what we we're doing, uh, and yet we were prepared, uh, as you uh, as you sort of characterized, and I think that's what we were able to take advantage of is this heightened urgency. And when we think about uh, who needs what kind of care, we basically now put it into four buckets, whereas you know previously we put it into three. Three buckets were sort of which therapy, for which patient, and at what time. We've now added a fourth bucket, which is and where. And we have effectively now three sites of care in the hospital itself, 
where some cancer therapies are administered. In the infusion suites, whether it's hospital associated or in a physician's office and home for patients with cancer. When we think about which patients and which medicines, and Catherine uh, reviewed some of the thinking around the medicines, we have to make sure it's safe to be delivered at home, that they're stable, that patients understand how to store them. In addition, for patients, we have to understand what diagnoses, um, to what extent, uh, in their disease course, is it appropriate for them to have a treatment at home? Have they had a reaction in the past in the infusion suite? Uh, there are some drugs like taxanes, for example, we would tend not to use in the home setting because we know they already have a high incidence of adverse reactions, uh, which can be complicated to manage in specific clinical situations. So we think about both the patient uh, as well as the medicine as we think about what types of cancer treatments can be administered at home. But the goal of the program is not to transfer all cancer care to the home setting. And I think that's really imp important to emphasize, but rather to establish the home as a place where appropriate patients can receive appropriate care. All right. So once you've done that, once you've established the home as, and, and I really, I think that's very interesting that you've now added the home as that fourth consideration. So you mentioned which therapy, which patient consideration of, of timing and now where. And so home can be added to that um, consideration of where. And you really nicely laid out to us all the things that you're considering when you think about the medication that's going to be delivered around stability and storage and then beginning to dive down more into the patient consideration around their specific course of disease and diagnosis and have they had prior reactions or is this specific medication one where you might expect a reaction. Okay, so we you are able on the clinical side to have an expectation of is is home care appropriate so let's let's maybe think about a situation and i'd love to hear your input here first catherine of if we're in a situation where all of those boxes are checked and the answer is yeah we can do this at home help us to understand the staffing resources that are needed to accomplish because this seems like a lot <laughs> I mean, those were a lot of things that were checked off as far as transporting medication. Um, there has to be some coordination there. Um, and then all the way from what actually happens in the home to then helping to dispose of medication safely. So, and, and then what happens if things go wrong and you actually do need to bring in additional resources. So um, I'd love for you to walk us through the staffing resources that are needed for home care for specifically for cancer patients. Sure. So as I had stated earlier, all of the nurses who work for Penn Home Infusion Therapy are chemo certified, um, which is the highest standard for, for their practice for cancer patients. Um, so with when we start out with a group of nurses that already has that knowledge base and are skilled um, clinicians, uh, then it's it really takes a lot of that burden off from how do we how do we get this done? We we already have this ready 
mighty group of nurses that, as I said, are just prepared um, and knowledgeable. We also have a really strong um, nursing education and development department here that makes sure that these nurses are up to date with the latest materials um, and the latest education about these medications, side effects, what to look for, um, what steps to take if a patient does have a reaction. So those nurses are top-notch. They're the best of the best. And they um, having them you know, at the ready really helped us to be able to mobilize very quickly on this, on this program. The staffing as it relates to home health that you might not need to think about when you are in a clinic setting is, you know, timing. How do we get, you know, this nurse who lives in this neighborhood to a neighborhood, you know, that might be a few miles away for a specific timing? and whether or not we need to sit through that medication and how do we how do we pull that nurse to the next patient and and align the timing and the driving and all of that um, but what we do is we just work together um, we rely on our resources we rely on all of the this, the professionals that are here um, to try and make sure that we have a really tightly knit um, tightly knit support system for those field clinicians we have professionals, um, nurses, and pharmacists that are located in the office that are available 24-7 in case the nurse is running into a problem into the home. So they can call in very quickly and say, I've, I've noticed that this patient is experiencing XYZ. And the nurse also has um, access, obviously, to the physician um, and, uh, and has medications such as an anaphylaxis kit in the home in case uh, something goes wrong. Um, the nurses, as I said, are are very flexible. They're able to think on their feet and they are used to working in that situation of being in a patient's home. That could be anything from, you know, all different types of economic and cultural backgrounds that um, these nurses are able to adjust very quickly to. All right. So it sounds like you have the best of the best and an extraordinarily coordinated system that relies on good timing and communication with 24-7 backup and just a really dedicated team to make this happen. I, I'd like to flip, and I think I'd like to ask this question first to Justin, just to say that even the best laid plans <laughs> sometimes don't work out all the time. So I'd Maybe if both of you could highlight a roadblock for us. So Justin, I'll ask you first, and this could be a roadblock for patients or for the caregivers who are in the home, um, or maybe for the caregiving team. Um, so anyone who is participating along that caregiving journey that they need to navigate. And one thing that came to mind that I was thinking about would be something like reimbursement. Um, but so Justin, let me, I'll ask you first. Yes, yeah, Suzanne, I'm so glad you bring that up. and. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, when we think about cancer treatment at home, it's also important to note that internationally, giving cancer drugs at home has been done safely and effectively across a range of patient populations, a range of treatments for years. It's just uncommon in the United States, even though research shows patients and caregivers prefer it, and our program has been such a resounding success. One of the barriers, clearly, is the U.S. payment system. And so it's both reimbursement, but it's also out-of-pocket expenses, financial toxicity for patients. So receiving treatment in different sites of care can impact reimbursement for clinicians, 
and can, in some cases, dramatically impact out-of-pocket expenses for patients. Medicare, for example, at-home treatments are often paid through a part of Medicare called Medicare Part D as in David instead of Part B as in boy. Most infusions of cancer drugs are uh, that happen in the clinic or in the hospital happen through Part B as in boy. When it's done in the uh, at home, uh, especially injections, they can then be sort of transferred to a different benefit for patients. And when that happens, uh, it can impact uh, and cause financial burden. So what's the takeaway? The takeaway is that as cancer treatment at home programs are scaled across the country, they need to anticipate this, get ahead of it, so that patients' financial burdens are actually not impacted by what I think we can acknowledge is the short-sightedness of insurance policies. In terms of another barrier, you know, in order for this to scale across the U.S., Medicare, Medicaid, commercial insurers, they need to develop new policies to appropriately pay for it. Uh, in order both to appropriately reimburse, reimburse institutions to shift care uh, and the innovation that's required to do so, uh, from the hospital or the clinic to home, and also innovation in making sure that patients, again, out-of-pocket costs, financial burden, the financial toxicity that we recognize that ACS has drawn attention to is not impacted by what clearly is a patient-centric uh, transformation in cancer care. Mm, I love that word innovation, and I, it's Frustrating is probably not a strong enough word, but I think that the path that you've gone down has been so innovative. You need a parallel path in your partners who can make this happen and make this scale for more patients. So certainly this is a place for advocacy to step in. Catherine, what are your thoughts? What, what roadblocks do you see? I think that it's easy to fall back into the old way of thinking. When we opened this conversation, I had mentioned that when you think about patient care, you imagine, you know, being in a specific building. You imagine being in a location where there are a group of of um, clinicians that are overseeing your care and to change that idea to um, this being able to be done in your home, I think is a shift in um, in the perception of care that can be provided. And so when we do broach this topic with patients, they love the idea. Um, um, but I just think that it's so foreign for a lot of people that they never thought of it. Um, so just getting the word out, um, the things like this podcast in order to let that there there is another option for you out there is is something that will help break down that barrier. Uh, you're exactly right. Sometimes our minds can be our biggest barrier to new things. Just because it's new and different doesn't mean it's wrong. In this case, it means it's really, really exceptional. But you're right. Um, new can be hard for lots of reasons. So can I ask you something? You launched Cancer Care at Home in November 2019, just a few months before the pandemic really started to complicate healthcare in America. So your program was just launched, just getting off the ground. Thinking back to like March when things really got hairy in America, what did that what was that time period like for your program? Well, for me, the first thing that we felt like we had to do was to get organized um, and and ensure that our 
patients, families, and and clinicians were safe. So we established a really tight method to um, to track our patients um, who who could possibly um, be positive or who actually were tested positive. We put systems into place to ensure that our field clinicians had the proper PPE. Um, we ended up uh, having a van that would be in different locations uh, throughout our territories that would drive around and be available for for clinicians to be able to grab an N95 or a gown or booties or whatever it is that they needed. Um, so that was our first priority is making it easy um, and safe for, for our field clinicians and patients and families. The next thing that we did was reach out to the rest of the health system and, and sit down together and figure out how we can use our resources and the knowledge base that, that we have here with us at Penn Medicine and how, how can we make sure that we're able to continue to provide um, provide care to our patients and and to honor that commitment that we made to our community to provide uh, to provide these services to them. So I uh, when I partnered with the outpatient um, infusion suites, those uh, the, the leadership over there was 100% willing to um, to partner. As I said, with me. Their staff came in like Johnny on the spot, ready to go, um, enthusiastic, creative people that wanted to do nothing more than to care for these patients that were already in a, a really difficult position, um, but now had an extra layer of of concern as it as it related to this pandemic that was threatening everyone. But but this special patient population, I think, had a lot of had a lot of concerns. Um, so being able to, you know, as I said, get organized, get our patients and staff um, safe, and then to pull in these resources of, of truly extraordinary nurses um, was, I think, um, part of part of uh, part of our success in the program and part of our success um, in in the care we provided to our community. I would only add that just to emphasize the point that the pandemic added urgency, it added alignment on mission, but we were ready. Mm-hmm. And so when the stay at home orders were issued, we were able to scale the program in just a few weeks. In one month, we saw a nearly 700% increase, 700% increase in the number of patients participating. And now when you stand here today and look back over the last six months and then previous to that, the last year, we've, re- we've redirected hundreds of patient visits from our clinics, clinics and hospitals to patients' homes while still maintaining timely, safe, effective cancer treatment during the pandemic. And it's important to recognize that when this pandemic is over, cancer care at home is here to stay. It's now a care standard at Penn Medicine for patients uh, like the breast cancer patient, the patient with breast cancer that I described. Um, So we've realigned staffing in such a way that permits much greater flexibility to determine what site of care is best for which patient. As we said, there's a silver lining to most situations. So I think this is definitely a silver lining here that it's probably pushed you and your institution to maybe not be more innovative, but to be a little more quick on your feet to realize um, the potential of this really fantastic program. So nice work. Well, that's right. I mean, any anytime we're uh, anytime we're under great stress, it's a 
forcing mechanism mm -hmm. for innovation. And I couldn't agree more. All right. So, and I think that leads me into something I've really been very anxious to ask you about. Anxious in a really good way. I'd love to hear from both of you if there's an experience or a patient that stands out to you that you would like to share. Catherine, let's start with you. Sure, so uh, one of our patients was being treated at the outpatient infusion suite and uh, had a really great relationship with the nurse that was there. Um, you know, they had been seeing each other uh, throughout the course of that patient's therapy. And then when COVID happened and we were able to transition that patient to uh, home infusion and we ended up using those uh, infusion suite nurses that were so generously redeployed, that nurse ended up getting assigned that patient. So the patient not only was able to see their treatment plan um, being administered in a much more comfortable setting, but was able to see that familiar face of someone that they trusted, that they knew was going to um, take excellent care of them. Um, and it was like a reunion. Um, so I love thinking about what it was like when, when they opened the door or when they spoke on the phone the night before and, and made the connection that this is someone that, that I know that that I trust that is going to make sure that I'm okay and that I'm getting the best care that I can get. Oh, that's a great story. I love that too. And just thinking about the maintenance of that relationship and, and bringing those two people together in what was probably a, a much more comfortable space into that patient's home rather than um, despite all of our efforts to make infusion suites be as warm as they can be. It's, it's mm -hmm. still a, a clinical setting. Oh, that's a great story. Um, Justin, is there a, a patient or an experience that you would like to share with us? I would share two. Uh, one that I was thinking of as Catherine was sharing, um, sharing that story. Uh, but let me, let me first just tell you about uh, one of the uh, patients in the program, breast cancer survivor, who's actually been profiled in uh, some media um, uh, across the country, and she's a middle, middle school director here in Philadelphia. Uh, and um, for the past five years, she's traveled to Penn every month to get her Lupron injection. She had to take time off of work. She had to drive through traffic, pay for parking, all for this quick injection. And she called the shot her calendar killer. And I, I love it because it really gives a sense, like it really was. Um, she worked her life around this shot every month. Now she receives her treatment at her home and the whole thing takes her approximately 10 to 15 minutes at most. She told us she loves getting her cancer care at home and basically she never wants to go back. So that's the first. And the second, uh, you know, I, I just want to say uh, the, the nursing team, like the nurse that Catherine uh, shared with you, these, these are truly heroes. Uh, an inf infusion clinic nurse who took shifts delivering cancer treatment at home when they weren't going to be working in the clinic. This is what makes us proud to be healthcare providers. I can say parochially proud also to be at Penn Medicine. Um, but stories like that um, are, are uh, uh, as inspiring as the stories of patients receiving the treatments at home as well. Absolutely. It it's not lost on me that in order for your 
breast cancer survivor to not have, and I love that too, the, the calendar killer, because you're right, just think oh, how awful that would be to sit in traffic and just to go in for one shot and uh, plan your entire day and week um, around that. Someone else is planning their calendar around traffic and, as Catherine said, getting from patient to patient and thinking about and worrying about um, the patient they are with now and then getting to the next patient and making sure that everyone is safe and healthy and feels cared for. And I, I am sure that you are so extraordinarily proud of these nurses and uh, as a part of the cancer community, um, we're all grateful for them. So what a wonderful, wonderful group of humans. Um, utmost gratitude. Um, Justin, I would, I would like to just hear from you a little bit about your American Cancer Society funding, because I think it has impacted your work in this space, and you would certainly be the best to share that. And then if, as a follow-up, what can the American Cancer Society do to help now? One word, transformative. ACS funding uh, has allowed us, uh, and me personally as a researcher, to take science from inception to scale. Uh, and the Cancer Treatment at Home program is an example of that. Um, within the program, uh, it had a backbone of science. Uh, allowing us to um, obtain the kind of scale uh, so quickly, uh, but also with a focus on safety. So ACS funding is helping shift the paradigm for cancer care in the U.S. very directly. Uh, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say that more emphatically. How can the American Cancer Society help? Well, geez, uh, I think number one, helping us uh, to get the word out, uh, educating patients, uh, clinicians, policymakers about care at home as an option when it's clinically appropriate. The fact is, we believe that cancer care at home should be an option for patients when it's delivered with the utmost attention to safety by oncology certified nurses and preserves the relationship with their clinician such that the clinician, the oncologist, the doctor that they know continues to prescribe the medicines that they need. And that's what our program was about. I think number three is advocacy. In order for this program to scale, not just at Penn, but nationally, we need to change reimbursement and we need to change benefit design to not obstruct the kind of care innovation that we're talking about here, but rather to compel it, to incentivize it. Because this is clearly a win-win. It's a win for patients and it's a win for the healthcare system. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we see you as a win-win too. It's been a fantastic. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Fantastic investment of our wonderful donor dollars. And we're so excited to see the continued success that you and Catherine and your team have. So I, I think I'd like to close just by hearing from both of you a message for our listeners, um, many of whom are cancer patients or they care for a cancer patient or they're they are a survivor themselves so Catherine let's start with you is there a message you would like to share with this group sure so um, 
When patients are faced with a life-threatening illness such as cancer, it can be really um, difficult to kind of see your way out of that and and feel like um, you're cared for and to feel secure. I'm hoping that this program is able to provide at least a little bit of solace and peace for patients who are facing this terrible illness. Um, and it, it, that's it. That's all I want to say. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you for all you do. We're really grateful for you. Justin, is there a message you'd like to share with this group? I would only endorse what Catherine uh, shared and say, maybe just add that, you know, patients deserve safe and effective cancer treatment centered around their needs, around their lives. And through this program, we've demonstrated that cancer medicines can be safely and effectively administered at home for certain patients. It, it can literally take the place of cancer treatment in the clinic or in the hospital. And so I would say to patients that it's now time to make cancer care at home available to you across the country and let's help it make let's help make it happen together. Well, thank you both. We're grateful for you and for all you're doing and certainly for sharing your time with us. So, stay safe and best of luck. Thanks very much, Susanna. Thank you, Susanna. This was fun.